regards to the story told in the, at the end of our Sedra where it tells us there was a Jewish man Ba he came and he put forward um, a non-Jewish woman a Midianite woman in front of Moshe and it tells a story about he had an illicit relationship with her and then uh, Pinchas came and killed them both and that was the story so about this story our sages tell us Azimri ben Solu, that was the man that had the illicit relationship this Midianite woman whose name was Kozbi Basur and he brought her before Moshe Rabbeinu and he said as follows he said, he challenged him this woman is prohibited to me or permitted to me and if you'll say that she's prohibited to me who allowed you to marry the daughter of Yisrael who was also Midianite so Moshe blanked on the matter and how to deal with this uh, situation until Pinchas came along he saw what happened and he remembered the halacha that says that if somebody has an illicit relationship with a non-Jewish woman a zealot is permitted to kill him so he presented this to Moshe and Moshe said the one who read who said it should do it and so Pinchas killed them both the question is why indeed was the daughter of Yisrael a Midianite woman who was the wife of Moshe why was she he permitted to marry her is Rashi Mazbis Rashi explains Moshe got married before when the Torah was given everyone the entire Jewish community was in the category of B'nai Noyach, non-Jews, and then they all became Jewish at Matan Torah, and she along with them, so the, daughter, the wife of Moshe became Jewish, along with all other B'nai Noyach, the children of Israel, the B'nai Yisrael, who were, had the legal status of B'nai Noyach until Matan Torah, so she too became Jewish along with them. Haste, which means that Moshe was able to marry because until Matan Torah everyone, also the Jewish people were still in the category of B'nai Noyach and then afterwards by Matan Torah the wife of Moshe also converted along together with everybody else together with all the Jews, and the Fad is the Moshe, and that's why she was, Moshe Rabbeinu was permitted to be married to her, because she was a Jewish person that converted along with all the other people at Matan Torah. Is Nishmuvan. So then, if, if that's a simple explanation, and therefore we have to understand, Zimri is the given nos in the Sibay Zimri was no ordinary Amoritz. He didn't. It's not like he didn't know what was going on. He didn't understand the mat, the halachas, and so on. He was the leader of the tribe of Shimon, a great uh, personality in Judaism. 
So what was he what was he saying to begin with? And if you'll say that this Midianite woman who happens to be non-Jewish right now, if she's pro- uh, prohibited to me, so who permitted you to marry the daughter of Yisrael? Can we say that he didn't know this obvious difference between getting married to a an <clears throat> on Midianite woman before Matan Torah or after Matan Torah, the difference is obvious. So why would he make that comparison? On the other hand, even if you'll find some sort of an explanation, to be able to explain what possibly could Zimri have been alluding to in his comparison, that there is some thread of logic there that you could rely on uh, to, to ask this question why that difference that obvious difference is for some reason he found the reason why that should not be uh, permit Moshe to marry the daughter of Yisrael it still leaves the question why don't we find anywhere in the Gemara that the answer was given, the response was given to Zimri, the obvious answer. To answer the question, the challenge that Zimri had posed, Pinchas wasn't responding to his question. Pinchas said a separate Allah that what? If somebody has an illicit relationship with a non-Jewish woman, he was just addressing what Zimri did. He didn't answer why Moshe was permitted to be married to the Midianite woman, so to speak. There are commentaries that they explain as does Gufa that this in itself the that that's what it means when it says in the Medish that that Moshe Rabbeinu blanked on the situation didn't know how to respond, this was what he didn't know, this is what he forgot, that there's a difference between before Matan and after Matan He lost the, the ability to respond for some reason. But this is difficult to say, because in addition to the fact that number one, Rashi Zog Beferish, that Rashi clearly says, Rashi attributes that what did he blank on, not about his situation, but on what to do about Zimri, that's what he blanked on, that if somebody has a relationship with a non-Jewish woman that the zealots can kill him so Rashi says that it was this, that matter what kind of punishment Zimri deserves, that's what he forgot, but not about the difference between before and after and number two, another thing it's very difficult to say. That Moshe Rabbeinu lost the ability to discern the difference between before Matan Torah and after Matan Torah. That's what he forgot. That's such an obvious thing. A child could know that. So Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't have forgotten that. It has to be something more obscure than that. That's too obvious and front and center of Yiddishkeit for Moshe Rabbeinu to forget. So it has to be something more obscure. 
like that what you do to somebody who has an illicit relationship, which isn't really, it's not a halacha that you can teach, it's not a halacha you can paskin, it's just something that if somebody comes along and does it, he did the right thing, so that's something that he could forget. So in addition to these two questions, there's another thing. How could Zim, why would it occur to Zimri to pose such a challenge to Moshe Rabbeinu that it has such an obvious answer that, he, that any child could have answered Zimri? Why would he say something as foolish as that? Could he have envisioned that Moshe Rabbeinu would forget the difference between before Matan Teirah and after Matan Teirah? Even if you want to say that that's what he forgot, why would Zimri think that he would forget something so obvious? So he wouldn't have said something as easily rebutted, refuted as that. So, so the whole thing is, what's, what's, what is Zimri saying? Base. Another thing we have to understand. The din is, the halacha is, as a giyeris is a surulakayim. A converted, a woman that converts to Judaism is prohibited from marrying a kayin. And this is a nisim and a teira. And this is a prohibition, a teira prohibition. It's not a rabbinic prohibition, it's a teira prohibition. Hagam, the Gemara learns a sub from a pasuk in Yecheskel, even though when the Gemara discusses it, it points to a pasuk in Yecheskel to bring out the point. That's where the Gemara points to to show us that they're not, that a giyeris is not allowed to marry a kayin. Is the snor vas Yecheskel vas machta akroi? But as Taisa says, Yecheskel was articulating it, but he was relying on what the Torah says. He wasn't making up that halacha. He was just, he articulated it, and that's why the Gemara points to his articulation. But the source of it is based on what the Torah says. Um, as, uh, but this is actually a Isim and a Torah what it says in the Pasuk, Isha Zaina Bakulu Bayikahu that a Kayan is not allowed to marry what's called a Zaina, which has a legal term, it's not as it's used in the vernacular today. That term means any woman that ha- was intimate with someone to whom she is prohibited to marry. Anyone that she's not allowed to marry, if he has a relationship with her, she ca- she becomes a Zaina, the legal status of a Zaina, who can no longer marry a Kayan. So therefore, any non-Jewish woman that was with a non-Jewish man, a non-Jewish man is prohibited to a, is a prohibited relationship. So therefore, she becomes a zayna, even though she herself was not Jewish at the time. And because because a woman that converts comes from a nation who is they're permeated by illicit relationships by immorality, and therefore it's most likely we assume that she was already uh, had an affair with someone and therefore she is termed a zayna, and therefore a kayin could never marry her. That's the basis of the Taira prohibition for giyiris, um, a convert, to marry a kayin. So that establishes the fact that a kayin is not allowed to marry a zayna. In the Gemara is the Rabbeinu. In the Gemara, there is a machlekes in regards to what was the status of Moshe Rabbeinu. Late ain't they, according to one opinion, is Moshe Rabbeinu Kayin Godel. 
Moshe Rabbeinu was a Kayan Gadol, because the Kahuna stopped only at his children, but he always remained a Kayan even after Aaron was made the Kayan Gadol, and only the children of Aaron were, would be Kayanim from now on. But Moshe Rabbeinu retained his status as a Kayan. Even, but his children, Moshe Rabbeinu's children did not, he didn't pass it on to his children. But he himself remained a Kayan Gadol. Atzveit Adeyahalt, another opinion holds, as Leinuskan Moshe Elushibis Meluim Bovad, that Moshe Rabbeinu was only made a Kayan for the seven days of the inauguration of the Mishkan, and then on the eighth day, Aaron took over, and from then on it was Aaron. So in other words, that according to this opinion, Moshe Rabbeinu was no longer a Kayan after that. Is kosher. So based on this machlegas, you have to, we have to understand. is bas If Moshe Rabbeinu was a kayan, kayan gadol yet, how could he marry a convert? How could he marry the daughter of Yisrael? She was at least a giyeris, at least a convert. Now according to the opinion that says that he was only a Kayan for the seven days of the inauguration of the Mishkan, we could still, perhaps, at least we could try to get away with this answer, which is, as Moshe is, that even then, during those seven days, he really didn't have the status of a, a Kayan in, in the full sense of the word. He had certain elements of a Kayan, but he wasn't a Kayan in every regard, why then was he permitted to bring carbonus during those seven days which he did if he wasn't really a full-fledged kayan is as the far because we can explain that the reason is as Taisus explains that for the seven days before the actual opening of the Mishkan so to speak on the eighth day the seven days of inauguration, the Mishkan had the legal status of a Bama, which means like a backyard Mizbeach that anybody at that time was permitted to have. But it didn't have the status of the central Mishkan or the Beis Hamikdash for all the Jewish people. And uh, so the, the Obama has a completely different status and different laws. And that's the reason that Moshe Rabbeinu, when he was service, serving in those seven days in the Mishkan, he, he wore white garments. Nishmi the big not with the ordinary garments that Kayanim would normally wear. Why didn't he wear the normal garments? Because there are, you don't wear those special garments that the Kayan wears in the Mishkan at Obama. And therefore Moshe Rabbeinu wore different clothing than the, the Kayanim would wear once the whole thing started on the eighth day. And therefore, based on this we could say, is the far is and that's why, because he doesn't have the full status of a Kayan, therefore he was permitted to marry a Giyaris. So perhaps we could answer that. That is not such a uh, it's not so uh, to say that he wasn't really a Kayan, it's difficult to say, but perhaps. But beside, if you want to try to get away with this answer, but there's a few problems. First of all, the Gemara says, according to that opinion that says he only was a Kayan for the seven days, it says 
he wasn't, he didn't become a Kayan only for those seven days. So from the wording in the Gemara, it says, From these words, it seems that during those seven days, he was a Kayan, as the Gemara uses the term Niskahin, it became a Kayan. So besides for that, that this still also remains a question, even according to the opinion that says he was only a claim for seven days, we still have this question to deal with. But in addition to that, according to the opinion that he was always a Kayan, he remained a Kayan, of course the question is, in its, it stays fully. How could he marry a Giyaris? How could he marry his wife Tzipayra? Gimel. So it seemed that maybe we could say this as the Anal that these two questions that we posed in 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 uh, in uh, paragraph one and paragraph two, they answer each other. How? What did uh, when when Zimri said, "Who permitted you to marry the daughter of Yisrael?" He was in fact alluding to this problem, not to the problem of how could you marry a non-Jewish woman. He wasn't talking about that because she converted, of course, so that wasn't his question. He was alluding to the question of the Isa Giyaris Lekayin. You are a Kayin. How did you marry a Giyaris? What's the connection, the relationship between what Zimri did, which was marry a non-Jewish woman, or be with a non-Jewish woman, and Moshe Rabbeinu, which is a marrying a Giyayas, what's the connection between the two? The Like he said, he presented it as if you're saying that my woman is Asur, then who, how could you marry your woman? So what's the comparison? Is in them. The comparison is in this. Because the Tama Yisuf Giyayas Lekayin the reason why a Giyotis is not allowed to marry a Kayin is Kanalas, as we mentioned before, because she comes from the nation of the non-Jewish nation, which is permeated by immorality. Thus, haste, in other words, if the woman that Zimri had is prohibited because she comes from that nation, so then your wife comes from the same situation and for a Kayin that's prohibited so in other words he was comparing my woman comes from there your woman comes from there I have one problem you have a similar problem it's just that you're a Kayin it's slightly different but this basically it's the same concept but even this answer leaves the following questions First of all, to the country, on the other hand, number one, what is in fact the answer that Moshe Rabbeinu was, would give? How was he permitted to marry her? And number two, even if there is an answer, why wasn't this answer given to Zimri? Why doesn't the Gemara record any answer to it? Dalit. Perhaps we could answer it in this way. From what our sages tell us, there are three things that Moshe Rabbeinu decided on his own that this was the right thing to do. 
he wasn't told by Hashem to do it, but he made the decision and Hashem agreed with him after the fact. What's is one of those things was that he decided to separate from his wife. And therefore, since Moshe Rabbeinu had already separated from his wife anyway at that time, so therefore there's no question anymore who permitted you to marry her. Because if we're, you know, he, there is the problem of him being a Kayan and she is a Giyaris, it's no longer a problem because he's already separated from her. Because in fact, Moshe Rabbeinu separated from her. So therefore, it's no longer a question. And even though merely separating, and, but still remaining married, is not enough to take care of the problem of a Kayan marrying a Giyaris, because he's still married to her. But that that's not a problem because Rashi himself says at the end of Pasha Miriam that Miriam was talking she said she's talking about the uh, the woman meaning the wife of Meisha because he he married uh, a woman from Midian. So Rashi explains what does he mean? What does what was Miriam saying about the woman? What was she saying about her? She was saying that Moshe Rabbeinu divorced her. That's what Miriam's so to speak lashon was. Moshe Rabbeinu divorced his wife. As the Rashi says again, because he had married this woman and now he divorced her. Does haste, in other words, that Rashi lent us his Nishnah of us, Pirish Menisha. This was not merely a separation. Rashi brings his daughter up, as Rashi says over there. In other words, that it was Prishaba Alma, that it was just a separation. Now, this is given Gerishin. It was an actual divorce. Rashi says it twice. He, wa- he divorced her. So, therefore, he was truly divorced from her, and therefore, there is no longer a problem of Moshe Rabbeinu being married to a Midianite woman. Still, but they didn't give this answer, so it answers the question. But why didn't they say that to Zimri? Why don't we find anyone responding in that way? The reason is, because our sages explained, nobody knew about the fact that he was divorced from his wife. Even Miriam, his sister, had no idea that he was divorced. The only reason she found out that Moshe Rabbeinu divorced his wife was because there were two people, Elder the Maida, that began to prophesize. They began to prophesize. Suddenly two people are saying prophecies. So Tzipayra heard them prophesizing, said, oh my God, I have Rachmanus on their wives. They're, they're going to divorce their wives, just like my husband divorced me, because of the Nevoah. That's how Miriam knew about it. That's why she spoke up. Moshe Rabbeinu divorced his wife. My brother divorced his wife. Tzipayra said, Oh, woe to the wives of these people. So nobody knew about this. Even Miriam. What's the reason that nobody knew about it? Why the big secret? Because Moshe Rabbeinu did it. He made his own decision to do it. 
Since he was a very humble person, he didn't want people to know it. Meaning to say that he was taking this extraordinary step as a step of holiness and so on, that he wanted to be divorced so that he's always available, that whenever Hashem needs to speak to him, since it was his own decision, he didn't want anybody to know about it. And of course, for the same reason, he wasn't going to go share it with Zimri. He's the one that has to know that I'm divorced, so therefore he didn't say anything. But this explanation, explanation doesn't really work because in addition to the fact that Rashi says, in addition to the fact that Rashi explains it differently, not that he would decide it on his own that he wants to get divorced, but that Hashem said, and Rashi says this, when he said to Miriam, I told him that he should get divorced. Where did Hashem tell Moshe Rabbeinu that he should get divorced? Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, and you, you stay here with me. What did he mean by that? He meant you have to be ready at any time to be in my presence. Which means that he couldn't be married. Because then you have to go to the mikveh. So that Hashem actually told him that he has to be ready at any given moment to speak to Hashem. So therefore, now it was already, if we say that Hashem told him to do it, so then what's the humility of not revealing that? He got a direct command from Hashem, this is what you need to do. Of course he wouldn't uh, withhold that kind of information. So therefore, there's no longer any reason to say that it was a secret. (coughs) And that he didn't want to tell it to Zimri. So therefore, in addition to that, the Sibah from Precious Moshe Ben Isha Zokmen, as is the Farva said, is given a Novi. What is the reason that Moshe Rabbeinu separated, divorced his wife? Was because he was a prophet, and Hashem was always speaking to him. And uh, as the, the Pasuk says, that Hashem appeared to Miriam and Aaron suddenly. What is the meaning suddenly? They both had to run to the mikveh. So they understood, oh, but Hashem speaks to Moshe all the time. He doesn't have time to have to go to the mikveh to cleanse himself because Hashem needs to speak to him now. So therefore they understood that for him it was the right thing. And Rashi also points it out that the reason why Tzipayra said woe to the wives of Elder Namedo was because now that he's a, they're a Navi, they won't be able to be married anymore. So in other words, the reason that Moshe Rabbeinu divorced his wife had to do everything with Navua, with the fact that he was a prophet, that he was speaking to Hashem. But now, if we want to give the answer that the reason that Moshe Rabbeinu was divorced from Tzipayra was because it had nothing to do with Navias. If he was a Kayan and he was married to a Giyaris, of course he had to divorce her. He had to divorce her as a basic halacha. Not for some um, elevated reason because he's a prophet and therefore he has to divorce. A Giyaris cannot be married to a Kayan, so he had to divorce her. So we're back to the original question. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu not uh, tell why, what's the answer to why was Moshe Rabbeinu married to Giyaris? And the reason he divorced her had nothing to do with that situation. It was only because he was a Navi. And then why wasn't Zimri given an answer? Hey, the beard in them. So to explain it. 
state in Mishnah, the Mishnah tells us, Iris Akayan Hedyet as Almana. If an regular Kayan, which is permitted to marry um, a widow, a Kayan Gadol can't marry a widow, but a regular Kayan is allowed to marry a widow. So he gave Kedushin, which means the first step in marriage, to an Almana, which he was perfectly permitted to do. Then Ismanali is Kayan Gadol. And then he was appointed now between the, uh, the Kedushin and the Chuppah and the Fold and the Nesuyin, he was appointed to be the Kayan Gadol. Now he's not allowed to marry a, an almana. So what should he do? So the Mishnah says, Yichnais, he's permitted to marry her. He can go on with the marriage. He already started the marriage. Uh, he's allowed to uh, continue, even to go to step to a marriage, which is Nisuyin. When the Gemara learned to sob from Pasuk, and how do we know that you're allowed to? The Gemara explains it in this way. The Pasuk says, Yikach Isha, that it says, He's only allowed to take a wife that is a virgin, a first marriage. So the Gemara learns that since the Torah says, Yikach Isha, this prohibition that he's not allowed to marry an almana, a widow, has starts with Yikach Isha at the time when he does Kedushin. Yikach Isha talks about Kedushin, not about Nesuyin. So therefore, as so when he did Kedushin, she was he was permitted to marry an Almana. Then everything was perfect. Therefore, he can conclude the marriage by going through with Nesuyin and living happily ever, ever after. In other words, that the Gemara says that this condition that is attached to who a who a Gadol is, mar- is allowed to marry is at the moment of Kedushin. If at the moment of Kedushin he married her legally, then the, everything goes on as before. He's allowed to conclude a marriage and then he's allowed to live with her. So based on this halacha, so then it's a kalvachaim is certainly in our case, meaning not only was the kedushin done in a permitted way, not but the full marriage of Moshe to his wife was done legally. They, they were permitted to do it at the at the time when they got married. When they were married, Moshe was not a kayan at all, and therefore he was allowed to marry a giyus. So therefore, even though Moshe was then appointed a Kayin, he was permitted to marry her, to continue to be his, uh, her husband. She was permitted to be his wife. Because when they got married, everything was permitted. So just like by the Kayin Gadol, when he, if, uh, sorry, by a Kayin, when he's a Kayin headed and he gives Kedushin, and then becomes a uh, to Al-Namana, and then he becomes a Kayin Gadol. He's allowed to continue and conclude the marriage and even and continue to live with her. Certainly if the, the Kedushin was permitted, the Nesuyim was permitted, they lived together for many years, and then he became a Kayan. So therefore, based on this, he's allowed to continue to be married to her. However, but there is, we, perhaps we could ask this question. When did Moshe Rabbeinu marry Tzipayra in a way that was permitted, as we just said? That was before Matan Taira. That was back in Midian, before Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim. Certainly before Matan Taira. And since at that time, the Jewish people as a whole had a, a status of a B'nai Noyach. 
as we said before. And the whole concept of kiyikach, which means giving kiddushin, the way the Torah describes marriage, the two-step uh, process, and what is involved in a marriage, and how you uh, get married, that didn't, occur, that didn't exist, it would seem, at the time before Matan Torah. So therefore, we, have, we would have to say, we would have to come to the conclusion as by Now that the Matan Torah happened, everybody wakes up in the morning and they're married. They were never married to their wife. They never had kedushin. They never had nesuyin. They had all these things that the Torah describes about how you have to marry your wife. Never happened for them. So of course, the morning after, they all had to get married. According to Torah, is the chadukoshul leduchta? So the question comes back. Now, after matan Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu finds that he has to marry Tzipora again. How is he permitted to marry her? Since after matan Torah, there is already the the prohibition for him to marry her, and he's only starting now. So now he hasn't been married to her yet legally. So how is he allowed to marry her now? We find by uh, if uh, two people, a husband and a wife, both convert together, they have to have kedushin and nesuin. They have to go through a legal Jewish marriage. So therefore, the same hat must have happened to the Jewish people after Matan Torah as well. Is this concussion? So this is really not a question. Why not? So that because in addition to the fact that certainly without question the new marriage that every, every Jew had to do, and certainly Moshe Rabbeinu uh, did, was immediately after Matan Torah. It must have happened immediately. And therefore, in the case of Moshe, this happened before he became a Kayan. Matan Torah took place in Sivan. The, uh, when did Moshe Rabbeinu become a Kayan? The next Nisan, ten months later, by the Chanukah HaMishkan. So therefore, ten months, of course he got married somewhere in between there, and therefore he wasn't a Kayan yet, he was allowed to marry Tzapayra, even after Matan Torah. <coughs> he became a Kayan during the days of the inauguration of the Mishkan, which was after the Mishkan was put up. So even if we were to accept as loyd the day as Moshe called Yom of Kayin Hoya. That according to the opinion that we said before from the Gemara, that Moshe Rabbeinu was a Kayin for all his life. So even if we want to say that when does that mean Moshe Rabbeinu was a Kayin all his life, starting from Matan Torah, he was immediately given the title of a Kayin. So then you might say, that, well then he was a Kayan, even at the time when he had to marry Tzapayra, right after Matan Tzapayra, he was already a Kayan, how could he marry her? Is this a concussionish? Even if we go in this direction, it's still not a question, why? The Pasuk says, before Moshe Rabbeinu was, ma- uh, was born, this was his parents, a... It describes Amram and Yecheved. A man from the family of Levi went and he married a daughter of, of Levi. So this is describing the marriage of Amram and Yecheved. Darshan the Gemara. So the Gemara says, what does it mean? Vayikach. Shenasa la Vayikach is the same word as 
Yikach Isha, and it describes marriage as it is according to the Torah. It means Kiddushin. So, uh, so Amram, he did Maise Lekuchim, which means he went through the formal process that Torah says that a man has to marry a woman. So the Gemara is basically saying that Amram made Kiddushin and so he did it legally the way it's supposed to be done according to Torah. As Amram hat ir that Amram married her by the system that would happen, that would become public, that would be known after Matan Torah. He did that before. The Midzani Mepharshim Mazbir, and by the Mepharshim explained based on this, was the Rambam Zakt. They explain what the Rambam says. The Rambam says a curious thing. He says, the Rambam is going through the how Torah developed. So he says that there were certain mitzvahs of Ramavina was given Mila and so on. And then in, Am, in uh, Mitzrayim, Amram was given additional mitzvahs. It doesn't describe what. But is this nish movement. What does he mean? What does the Rambam mean to, to say? What is he saying here? Where do we find? Where does uh, the Rambam have a source that Amram was given additional mitzvahs in Mitzrayim? Where do we find such a thing? So the, the Mepharshim explain it based on this. Nodos is the mitzvah of Kedushin. The Ramam is referring to this mitzvah of Kedushin that the Gemara says that Amram married her through Kedushin. That was never mentioned before. This is something that Amram did. In other words, that he already was, was uh, doing these mitzvahs of Kedushin. In other words that the Yidden, the Jewish people, were already practicing legal marriage, Torah marriage, back in Mitzrayim, before Matan Torah. And since, now we understand that even before Matan Torah, the Yidden in Mitzrayim were already getting married, based on the legal process that the Torah later describes. Therefore, there was no need for them to go through Kedushin and Nesuin again after Matan Torah because they had already done it before Matan Torah. The Fidik Kedushin, because the marriage that they did before Matan Torah remained in place because they had done it exactly the way the Torah says that it should be done. So there was no need for them to do it again. Therefore, there was no need for Moshe Rabbeinu to marry to Torah again. And therefore, when he married her, he wasn't a Kayan yet. And therefore, he was permitted to remain married to her. As he says it inside, on the Fizeh's movement, so based on this we understand, as the Yikach Isha for Moshe Rabbeinu, that the marriage of Moshe Rabbeinu is given, Beheta was done in a way that was permitted, because then he wasn't a Kayan yet. And there was no need for him to marry her Again, after Matan Torah, when he was a Kayan, perhaps, therefore, the question is answered. By this explanation, we can also explain, number one, Now we have to understand, what did Zimri mean? Who permitted you? What do you mean, who permitted him? Why not? What was his question? And number two, why Moshe Rabbeinu did not respond to his question? So first we have to understand what was Zimri's question. 
Zimri hat nicht gehalten von dem Yalfusse von Tereshbal Pef von Yikachishanau. As we explained before, that the, the Mishnah says that once the Kayan Pedit uh, married or did Kedushin to the Almana, to the widow, he can go ahead and complete it because they learn it from the word Yikachisha, which teaches, they say, the, the Chachamim say, that once he started the process of marriage, he's allowed to conclude it as well. So Zimri, this is something that Torah Shavuot This is not spelled out in the Torah. This is something that has to be deduced from the Torah through the methods of Torah Shavuot So Zimri didn't agree with this pilpul. And he held that even though he started it in a permitted way, but once he became a Kayan, he was he was obligated to divorce her. That's what Zimri held, and that's what he challenged them with. And Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't tell him the Mishnah that says Yikachisha and that he's permitted to continue in this marriage. the din is as a because it's a halacha that if a a rover that gives a ruling and he himself is party to this issue. It somehow affects him as well. We don't accept, we don't believe him when he says, yes, this is what I was taught. I was taught that this is how it is. If he says it neutrally about somebody else, then of course that's his job. He's the Rav. He says what, uh, what he was taught. But if it involves him, and it's, he stands to benefit from it, then he can't say, this is what I received. If he could show you a Pasig, yes, of course, it's there, it's right there in black and white. But if you have to depend on his interpretation, and that this is how I received it, we, don't, we can't believe him, because he's a Negei Bedover, he's involved. Well, Moshe is the Given Negei and in this case, Moshe was involved. Because the question was, who permitted you to marry the, your wife? So he had to give an answer based on... Hashem told me that Yikach Isha means this. When it's about you, you don't get to say things that nobody else can verify. And we see a similar thing. as by We find a, sim- a similar situation by the Machlekes of Aaron. In addition to what the Kairach was, present- was arguing against Aaron being the Kayan, he also presented misleading questions and just to red herrings, just to divert the, you know, to, to pose challenges. What did he ask? He asked one question about a mezuzah. He said, If there's a house that's filled with holy books, holy svarim, you have to put a mezuzah on that house. Only another question. In other words, the whole reason of a mezuzah is to show the word of Hashem. The whole house is full of, of books. Do you really need a mezuzah then? And he asked another question. Tcheles. Talus tcheles. If you have a talus uh, garment which is all made of blue wool. Does it need tzitzis? It already had, the whole thing is blue wool. What does it need tzitzis for? We don't find that Moshe Rabbeinu would teach why it is Chayev. It's a, it's a reasonable question. It needs an answer, but we don't find that Moshe answered these questions. 
he went on to talk about, you know what's going to happen to you? The Imbriya Yivra Hashem, that Hashem will create a hole in the ground and you're going to get swallowed up. He, he ignored the question. Why? When the Azbari is canal, the same explanation that we gave. Moshe is given in a Gebe Since this was a challenge to Moshe, all of this was about Moshe Rabbeinu and his favoring his brother Aaron and so on. So it was a challenge to him personally. And the Farvalt is given them, and therefore, even if he gave an answer based on a teaching that he received from Hashem, he wouldn't be uh, believed about it because, as we said, he doesn't. When it, once it involves him, he can't give an answer like that. So everything is answered. Zayin the hero of What is the lesson that we can take from this thing? We don't always look to answer somebody just because he asked a question. Because sometimes the question is not even a question. The question is just giving you a, a path to be able to say you're allowed to marry a shiksa. That's why he's asking the question. He doesn't have an interest in the answer. He just wants to present that you're allowed to marry this Goyish woman. Like uh, Zimri was saying. If his intention is pure, he means it for the sake of the question, and he really wants an answer. Then even if he asks a foolish question, you have to answer him anyway. He means it sincerely, so you have to answer, even though it's a foolish question, answer him, give him an answer to the foolish question. But if what he's posing is a challenge, because he wants to say that what the Torah says is not permitted, he wants to say, he wants to show you that it is permitted, then you have to go with, do what Shleiman Melech said, do not answer a fool according to his foolishness. How do you overcome this uh, challenge? of somebody who is opposing Torah in that way, is Nishduch Shaklavatarya. It's not by creating discussion and uh, a debate. Nor The response has to be presenting a position of strength that goes beyond logic. And this is not true only about the guy outside that challenges you, but within yourself you have those kind of challenges. When the when the old and foolish um, king, meaning the Yetzahara, as he's known, comes and he wants to confuse you and he wants to distract you, you don't get into a debate with him about what he wants you to do. What you have to do, you don't respond. You have to act immediately. What should you do? You drag him into the base medish. Sit down to learn. That's the response to every challenge that the Yetzirah presents. Sit down to learn. Sit down to daven. Go do a mitzvah. That's the response. Not a debate. And that was also the response that Pinchas showed. He didn't get into a debate with Zimri. Zimri. He took... He became zealous on behalf of Hashem. didn't get into a debate, because the contrary, the din is, because 
the, the in regards to the question of what do you do when a, a Jewish man is publicly desecrates a non-Jewish woman, what do you do? If you came to ask the Rav, he wouldn't tell you to kill him. That that is not a halacha that you give a ruling. Nor Hashem. It's something that if if a zealot does it, he did it. But you know, the Rav would never say go kill him. So Pinchas didn't get into the question. He didn't go ask a question. What should I do? He did what he had to do. That's what the response is. He decided that he has to protect and defend Hashem's holy name, and therefore he did what he did. He killed him. Ches the Chagag Olaf from Yudbeis Gimel Tamos is Chal Barev Hashanim and the Mvach from Parsha Bolak. The Yom Tov of Yudbeis Gimel Tamos when the Friedeger Rebbe was released from from uh, Golos when the whole Parsha of his being arrested ended and he went free. Oh, uh, most times comes out during the week of Parsha Bolak. Hadarin and Anal Ashaychas to the Chagag Olaf. So this issue also is related to the Chagag Olaf, which always come, mostly comes out in that week. The way that the Rebbe, the Friediger Rebbe, who was the uh, the one that was redeemed and so on, um, his con- conduct was similar to this. Is given in the from the He also went ahead and he, in a stubborn way, in a way that was dangerous, even he did this kind of behavior. Mentioned, and he didn't. He ignored what a certain people said to him. They said there's no need for a, a Jew to live with Mesiris Nefesh at every step of the way. But that was the situation in Russia. Whatever you did was Mesiris Nefesh. So they said you can ease up. There's no mitzvah to do Mesiris Nefesh every step of your of the way. So even though they said that, he didn't pay attention to them. He still defended the holiness of Yiddishkeit by, in that way, in a stubborn way. Because this is what Hashem wants, so He set out to do it. That's why He continuously had to live a very dangerous life on the edge, always just to be able to maintain Yiddishkeit, even in a small way in Russia. The Mesiris Nefesh can become a phenomenon. This Mesiris Nefesh can, uh, it can play out in, an, in, in different ways. One of the, or two of those ways is, number one, the Parsha Seinu, as it happened in our Parsha. Nizhdurch Nasi Adair. It didn't happen through the Nasi Adair Moshe Rabbeinu himself. The Nasi Adair is given Moshe. And who did it? It was Pinchas that actually did it. And then second point is uh, in Aifa from Gevura that it had to be done in a way that showed judgment. And he killed someone. And that's why because we know that Pinchas is Elio, had gezakt, Elio said, I, later in Malachim, uh, Elio said, I, um, I, I was a zealot on behalf of Hashem. So that was Elio, who was Pinchas, that's what he meant. And he didn't sit down to say, well, maybe we can explain why Zimri behaves this way. Perhaps, you know, in regular situations, we, do, we are obligated to be able to see the other side and why somebody's behaving this way. But at that time, he did not do that. He just went and he had and he killed him.
So that's one way that the Mesiris Nevesh can play out. Number two, Vibayim Balagul of Asimcha, as it happened in the case of the Fidigir Rebbe, Bekanias Kenosi, the Nosi Adair It was the Nosi himself that went, did this Kane Kenosi. And the truth is that we could say that this is sort of similar to the situation by Moshe and Pinchas too, because as Oyech by Pinchas is the Nesinus Koyach of them, even by Pinchas, who was the one that allowed him and the one that gave him the, the push and gave him the ability to be able to follow through on this, Kanei to go ahead and do this, Gekuma from Moshe, it also came from Moshe the Nasi. Because Moshe Rabbeinu said to him, the one that read out the letter, in other words, the one that remembered the halacha, the one that said it should do it. So Moshe Rabbeinu gave him the go-ahead. So Moshe Rabbeinu gave him the ability to act in this zealous way. So, but in any case, in the case of the Friediger Rebbe, it was the Nasi himself. And the way he carried out his firm approach to this was through kindness, not through killing people, through kindness. As it was already related a number of times, as the that the Friedrich Rebbe asked his father, the, the Rebbe Rashab, he requested a blessing from his father that his leadership should be come about in a way of kindness and, and mercy. And then he says that it took year, a few years until that became the reality. And that what he meant was that, that even though it would need kanekinosi, but it should be carried out in a way that brings, you know, it's, it's done in a soft way, not in a gvuradika way. With kindness and with mercy.